to another episode of The Big Question presented by Friends of Film, a podcasting and in-depth look at a specific movie question. On this episode, we'll discuss Netflix's role in the movie industry. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. Happy hump day. Today's Wednesday. That's right. The day we're recording this. <laughs> we can um, keep up the illusion. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what illusion? Oh, uh, I don't know. My in-studio magic? Yes, Ooh. exactly. Josh's The New Mysterio. Yes. Oh, man. Mysterio. What a great movie. Ah, so good. Uh, Spider-Man, it feels like Spider-Man came out like two months ago. It feels but it was so two weeks long ago. ago. I don't know, man. It, it's just crazy how it all came along and came through so quickly. Oh, by the way, we're talking about Netflix this week. We are. Today. Yes. I have a question I want to pose to you about Netflix oh, okay. really quick. They need to move to a week-by-week format with some of their bigger series releases, don't they? Specifically, like Stranger Things? Stranger Things. <laughs> there was no conversation about it. I finished it over the weekend, and now there's nothing to talk about. Like, I'm tweeting as I go here. I'm having some fun with it. <laughs> and, like, people are liking them. You know, I'm like... I wanted a week-to-week conversation. I wanted, yeah, there's not a, there's not that prolonged engagement. I know. I, I want a show like that to recreate some Game of Thronesian vibes. Uh-huh. Let's do that on Sunday nights again or Saturday nights or Sunday nights again. That's a good time for it. Perfect time. Everyone's returned home. Everyone's mm-hmm. sobered up. They're ready for Monday. But then we, before we jump into the week, we all stranger things. You know, or something like that. I want that feel again. Right now, it's Big Little Lies yeah. um, that Ooh, I so good. have not caught up on yet. Okay, I have to. Talk, I'll need to talk to you about the um, the director pieces that oh, came yeah, out. Oh yeah, I this saw week. that. I didn't really read into it, but I was more mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, interesting. I haven't really noticed anything. Yeah, that like is a sign that oh, she's been her control's been ripped away from her for sure. But uh, you know, but I think it's still very solid. They need to go to a week to week release for I, these big. Temple series. I don't disagree with you. I think the the hardest thing would just be like the Netflix model is like that's not what they're preaching. Like they're all about watch it as quick as you can. Like that's what it seems like. Like they want to be like that next Monday. Here it is. And the the opening weekend of Stranger Things, 40 million people Mm -hmm. started the series. Um, 20 million people finished the whole thing already. That's crazy. And I mean, maybe... They would still, they'd still probably get those same amount of hits every single week. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is weird because you don't. There's not that post discussion on. And we, I think we've talked about this before of just anything Netflix. Yeah. Like it's uh, here's three days of coverage for mm-hmm. a Netflix thing, and then it's gone. Right. There's no. What did that mean for Netflix? What did that mean for what anything? It's just uh, that came and went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish that would happen. That's why I think I won't be surprised if Disney Plus is a weekly release model. Yes, it needs um, to be. Like like the Mandalorian, I know, I'm pretty sure that's been confirmed that like there's only the first two episodes are going to be available. Yes. The first like when it launches in uh, November 11th, I think is the date. Mm-hmm, that sounds right. Uh, or 12th, it's sometime think, in November. I think, I think November 12th. I'm not November 11th is Pearl Harbor, or is that December? I don't know. November 11th is a date. 11 <laughs> 11. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that is probably going to happen because I think Hulu does that. Where like they've yes experiments with that i oh. i'm not sure if amazon has done anything like that where they do weekly thing or if they're all here to all, all this at one time the one the i've only watched jack ryan jack ryan i think that's the only amazon original that, that I've was watched. all dropped and i know like homecoming's the other one that like got big acclaim but that was a six episode here it all is hannah i think was week to week hmm, i don't know about that one me neither I'm not sure either way i i agree with you though like i wouldn't be totally upset with it because i don't really watch yeah. that much network television anyways i do like 
like here's Stranger Things. I can watch it all and be done with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not like be done with it, but like I've seen it all. For not sure. like I don't need to be like, oh, I got to make sure I watch this week's episode. Yeah. I should be able to watch it all through. But, you know, I, I, I don't disagree that like, they wouldn't generate more conversation. Right. Because people would be theorizing about what happens to, um, you know, Dustin and uh, what's his face when they go down in the, the elevators. Like, oh, yeah. What happened to them? Exactly. You have to wait a whole week to find out, not right. uh, five seconds. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so, yeah, it, it, there's all those things going on that I just kind of wish, like, just a little bit of conversation because it felt like none of that happened. I just decided, like, well, I got to do a tweet thread. And then, <laughs> you know, it. since I'm late to it, whatever. But Murray, best part of season three, uh, or Stranger <laughs> Things three, uh, loved it. Him that him and that corn, those corn dogs made me, like, just laugh forever. The wow. lengths I had to go to to get a screenshot of that, I, I will, I cannot stress to you how hard <laughs> that was. I asked Netflix for one, and I decided to take you? matters in my own No, they didn't. Wow. I had to take matters in my own hand. Come on, Netflix. And it involved screenshotting a video recording of my phone in airplane mode when I downloaded the episode. Wow. It took a while. That sounds like a lot of work. But I got that corn dog screenshot. <laughs> That's all that matters. It's on my Twitter. Check it out. <laughs> but we're here to not talk about Stranger Things, right? Correct. We are here to talk about Netflix. Do you want to let people know where they could find us yes. online, where Netflix can be found, and where we sometimes tweet about Netflix things? Right. I had a seamless transition in front of me, and I uh, blew it. Darn it. I know. But anyway, I tweeted just Joshua Ryan, but we tweet at Friends in Film. I'm the loony in your replies. Cooper's the one doing the news. Most of the time. You can get at us on there at Friends in Film. If you're looking for other big questions where we talk about Netflix and just all of the things that they do, including getting fights with Steven Spielberg, you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. That's right. Now, we, again, we are talking about Netflix this week, and our big question may seem a little strange, I'll admit. But the big question is, is Netflix saving the movie industry? Sounds like a pretty big job. Ooh, my eyebrow went up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is the movie industry even in trouble? We don't know. It seems like it based on the box office uh, this summer. A lot of movies have been failing. Only a couple have been succeeding. Mostly the ones tied to Disney, uh, as we've covered in a previous big question. So go back and listen mm-hmm. to that. Um, but... We wanted to do this this week because this past week, um, there's been some pretty major moves for Netflix in terms of acquiring new titles and new material. And um, again, they've released Stranger Things. They're, they keep generating all this content, this big content that is worthy to talk about. Um, and in a lot of ways are making movies that seems like major you know, movie studios otherwise will not, which is the case with our first you know, jumping off point here for this big question, uh, because there's a report that came from Deadline this past week that Netflix had a, has acquired the movie Red Notice from Universal, which is this big action blockbuster um, that was previously at Universal starring The Rock, mm-hmm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Gal Gadot. And it was like, okay, this is going to be huge. You have Wonder Woman and The Rock together in a movie. Big action blockbuster. The no-brainer. You got to do that. Um Apparently not. Universal wanted changes to be made, um, a stripped-down budget, potentially script changes, whatever it may be. Um, and now it's at Netflix. Netflix has picked it up after being in the initial bidding war to get the project, and they've added Ryan Reynolds to the cast now. So they've added Deadpool to a movie that includes The Rock and Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Right. Um, and it really just got – it had my brain firing all sorts of – if you're a major studio – how do you turn down a movie that stars The Rock, Gal Gadot, 
and Ryan Reynolds. That seems like a job that gets the top exec fired every time. Yeah. Not a move that's like, oh, that's a good move. Mm-hmm. So what is happening? <laughs> I, that did, well, I don't know. I, this, the, this project specifically is what's wild to me. And I think it's got to be just something at Universal where it's like a burn it to the ground mentality. Maybe. I don't know. But, like, Universal's launching Hobbs and Shaw with The Rock. I know. Like, in two weeks or something. Exactly. And they're like, uh, not safe enough? Like, yeah. What? It makes it makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, The Rock is as close to a box office draw action star as we I think we have right now. Yeah. Maybe outside of, like, maybe Keanu Reeves and Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But, like, we haven't really seen them in anything beyond Mission Impossible and John Wick. Right in the last several years. So it's like, it's really tough to gauge was the rock is doing all of these different things. And in most cases, they're at least becoming financially successful. You know, if they, if they aren't, you know, the most highly regarded movies of all time. Right, right, right. I like on some universal is also running with, um, Jumanji, correct? Uh, no, that's Sony. That's Sony. All right. Well, never mind that. So. <laughs> uh, but again, the success of Jumanji in any way with yeah. the rock in an ensemble cast, was nuts two years ago. Yeah. A year ago. Two years ago. And it's being thrown away that quickly. Mm -hmm. And you got to wonder, like, what about this is too much of a risk? Right. Like, is it the director who's attached? Is it the script? Is it the budget that's reportedly $130 million? But that seems way too low for Universal to scoff at. Because, like, that's saying $130 million based on usual box office math. Mm-hmm. You have to make four hundred and twenty million dollars worldwide. No, three hundred ninety million dollars worldwide to become profitable. Mm-hmm. That seems like a pretty easy bar to clear for a movie starring The Rock, Wonder Woman, and Deadpool, including theaters, box office, and then you can toss in the DVD releases right. and all that jazz and whatever else you got. Like going that seems like that seems something that Universal could make a profit on. Mm-hmm. But if that one thirty is only like scout like locations and vfx and that's not including the reported 20 million dollar payday plus 30 percent profit share that the rock was going to get plus whatever you'd have to pay reynolds and godot which is probably in the double digit range for both of them like plus all the other cast members who would join um you're talking about a budget probably approaches more of the 200 million dollar range which would be and that's a movie that has to then go and make 600 million dollars worldwide that's a big difference it is nuts which is if that's the case i can somewhat understand that from universal right because even with the rock and wonder woman and uh deadpool i feel like this movie would have topped out like 500 worldwide whether it's great or terrible if it's terrible probably you know struggles past 300 just based on star power yeah but you know it's just like this weird thing of like in 2019 we're movie studios not not just universal like it could have been like you like fox or lionsgate or sony or warner brothers or whoever mm-hmm. but oh no let's go pick that up no or, netflix is the one who picked it up or disney with mouse guard right whatever the case is but no. like no it's netflix is the one who was like no we'll pay up to get the rock wonder woman and deadpool because duh <laughs> <laughs> right you three of the biggest named actors like and it's 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 not so much even the movie itself as it is the relationship with those people mm-hmm. in a lot of ways too 
because I mean, you give them, you give Ryan Reynolds a great experience. Six and six underground goes well with Michael Bay. What else can you do with him? Right. What other properties and content can you churn out to draw more people to your studios, your films? You're sending the rock away because you don't like the business end bargain that you initially agreed to. Okay. See how that turns out for you right. with the Fast and Furious franchise, which, I mean, those are billion-dollar franchises, <laughs> so they'll always find a way to make it work, I'm sure. Hobbs and Shaw, until we die, I suppose. Yes, all the I, way. I imagine. Um, it's so funny. We haven't seen this movie. We roll our eyes at Fast and Furious. Oh, but, but Hobbs and Shaw, all here for. David Leach, man. I don't know. He we has it said, down. Put him, put him in the franchise. Fast, if he directs the Fast and Furious movie, we, we like don't roll our eyes, and we're like, yeah, fire and away. It, and it's weird because we both love Justin Lin, and he's directing the next <laughs> Fast and Furious movie, so it's like... I hope that it's better. I think it's the creative control that Vin Diesel inserts. I agree. Because like, <laughs> during like the Hobbs and Shaw, I know we, we kind of get right kind of getting off tra- off topic a little bit, but like uh, one of the producers for Hobbs and Shaw was asked on the red carpet for Hobbs and Shaw last night as of our recording that like, you know, will The Rock and Vin Diesel ever be back on screen together in a Fast mm-hmm. and Furious movie? He was like, well, you never know. You can never say never. You know, <laughs> the Hollywood works in mysterious ways, all that kind of, you know, business stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Clearly, that's not happening <laughs> right. because Vin Diesel doesn't want to play second fiddle to The Rock, yep. which he, at this point in their careers, probably should be. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, Hobbs and Shaw is going to be its thing. It's probably going to be a nice big hit for your Universal. And then they're going to be like, hmm, maybe we should have kept that movie that had The Rock <laughs> yeah. and Wonder Woman. Oh, and Deadpool. Huh. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. But um, the, I think like the point I'm kind of trying to double back to here is, and this is the point that um, uh, I'm kind of forgive me for like cribbing a little bit off of what Sean Fennessy said on the big picture last week is action movies in the box office unless you're Keanu Reeves or Tom Cruise like you said earlier mm-hmm. we haven't been getting those lately no um, we've had Geostorm and Gerard Butler uh, showing up with those Angel the, the Angel Has Fallen franchise or the, yeah. whatever whatever those Has Fallen franchises films are but that, that's about it no it's just been Gerard Butler one and the weird thing is like I, I, maybe it's the smart that, thing for a jar butler that cop his, movie his movies yeah den of thieves um like they they aren't 130 million dollar budgets Mm-mm. like they're probably all less than 50 yeah and so that's probably why they keep getting made but also like Gerard butler's like that recognizable enough guy yeah he's like oh i've I, i've seen him in things mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go see that movie right but you also know like it's not going to be the best thing in the world. No, like it's weird. Gerard Butler seems like the guy tailor made, like the movies he's doing mm-hmm. for Netflix. Exactly. That like, oh, he'll churn out six ridiculous action movies every single year. Yes. And there'll be fun, but totally right. ridiculous. He should have a residency at Netflix like Adam Sandler exactly. does. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But instead, it's The Rock who's moving to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I think this is his second project at Netflix that he's has lined up. He has um, some like legend of the the, the giant lumberjack guy. Um, Paul Bunyan? I want to say he has like a Paul Bunyan movie in the works or like a what? series or something. But don't quote me on that. He definitely has some like folktale legendary story there is the rock paul bunyan um yeah that's oh that, john henry that's what it is there we go the guy with the the hammer he yes beats the train yeah like which is ridiculous <laughs> but like that's a thing he's working on and so like but again uh you know he's building this relationship with netflix ryan reynolds like you mentioned mm-hmm. is in six underground now he's doing this movie with netflix I want to say this is Gal Gadot's first Netflix venture. Um, yeah, you can probably I'm pretty sure. There. Yep. Um, but like, this is again just nuts. That this is the state that the industry as a whole is in, where a movie starring those three people can't get made by a major motion, you know, movie studio. 
it has to go to a streaming service, which maybe Netflix is like, we're buying this, but we're also going to roll it out in theaters so people can pay to see it. We'll get some box office money back and this giant action will be seen on more than just, you know, an iPhone. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the case. I'd love that. Yeah. Um, but also this past week, sticking with movies that apparently no other, you know, major movie studio wants to make is a David Fincher movie. Yeah. Is going to Netflix. Right. The next David Fincher movie is at Netflix now. Um, according to a report from Variety where they revealed that uh, he's going to direct a biopic about the uh, Citizen Kane writer Herman uh, Mankiewicz. Sorry if I butchered that last name there, uh, Herman. Um, and the script is written by Fincher's father. It's going to Netflix starring Gary Oldman as the the lead. Um, and that it'll also be shot in black and white, which is like the what a crazy like sentence or two of mm-hmm. just like what a movie is going to be. That's a that's an insane pitch. A black and white movie about us about the Citizen Kane writer yeah. starring Gary Oldman, directed by David Fincher at Netflix. Yeah. Like uh, in like ten years ago, that's a a Fox Searchlight, um, some Warner Brothers New Line movie that like is we're going all in for the Oscars. No, no it's an it's an it's an it's yeah it's, it's it's an indie movie that you're like David Fincher did this before he did all the successful things. Like what a crazy nut thing for him to try to do. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's easy to be on what Fox Searchlight would tolerate. It'd be something that, you know, you, you don't have patron accounts back then. You don't have Kickstarters <laughs> back then. It, oh, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a day one Kickstarter project that gets, like, you know, um, re- recorded and, and gone after. And, like, in, in subsequently and ancillary to this, um, the other side of the wind, the yeah. the re- the the uh, the finishing of Orson Welles' final mm-hmm. film. Again, never going to get that put in front of anybody's eyes unless you're wandering around aimlessly in LA and you yeah. happen into, you know, some place that is screening and are showing it at wherever theater there are there. Yeah. Like the arc light or something. Would the arc light even show that? I don't know. I don't know what the arc light really shows. I don't know either. Me neither. I just know that's like the one theater the people in LA like yeah. <laughs> and they're so excited about the Alamo draft house. We have AMC. That's it. We're well, at the we have mercy. Regal. We have the cinema center. Cinema center. Support I haven't local. gone to cinema center in a long time. Mary Rose is going to be playing but there. But their Hobnob and Film Festival is in October this year, I Ooh. think. So going to try to make Sign it out to that. For that. I'm writing it down. <laughs> um, losing the point here. But um, Cooper, the, jump in really quickly with the mm-hmm. kind of my the way I'm seeing this answer is. Okay. Netflix is, I think, saving the movie industry for people that want movie more movies like this because they're not being made anymore. Um, you wrote about Booksmart earlier this year. I did. Which did not do great at the box office. It did fine. It did fine for a movie that would hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't know this for a fact, has a budget below $5 million. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it could have done better. It should have done better because it was a great film. Um but those movies don't come out anymore. When was the last time we saw a romantic comedy on screen? Whoa. Crazy Long Rich Asians. Shot? Long Shot? Long Shot and Crazy Rich Asians are the only two that come to my mind. But only one of those was, was successful. Only one of those was successful. And, the, and it wasn't the one starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. which is mind-blowing. Right. And so if, yes, Netflix is saving the industry, it's saving these jobs, it's saving all these things because it's churning out the movies that don't get made anymore. It's taking on the projects that are not going to turn a profit but are going to bring eyes to the subscription service. Right. And it's that change in model that is going to do it. Um, 
which is why you you can you just you don't have to focus on anything other than content that people would want and so when you come around to red notice that's been like i mean i don't know if i want this movie or if i'll see it day one or not but people love the rock people love gal gadot if people don't already have this or if people do already have it they're definitely going to stay there for it especially when it comes around mm-hmm. it's just like stranger things or anything else like that um and so yeah absolutely i i'm in total agreement with you about like your overall sentiment like i think that's why i wanted to kind of pose this big question this week was cause like that is how I'm currently feeling about Netflix. And, mm-hmm. you know, it comes to the same point where this past weekend they released uh, Point Blank, this movie starring Anthony Mackie and Frank Grillo, which I yeah. watched, really enjoyed. But as I was watching it, I'm just thinking, there's no way this movie would be made without Netflix. That's I just kept thinking about that. I'm like, there's no way a movie starring Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie, two people who have MCU movies behind their belts, who are recognizable people, um, but aren't box office draws, there's nobody else in that cast that's like, oh, yeah, that person. That's mm-hmm. the big A-lister to get you in. Nope. Like, it's it's just them two, basically. And that movie's not being made without Netflix. A movie like Always Be My Maybe. Yeah. Super charming. Mm-hmm. Randall Park, Ali Wong are terrific. Came out earlier this year. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. That movie's not being made a studio. And I no. think that's the thing where it's like Netflix is, I think, the brilliant thing that they're doing and have been doing is they're going after these markets and these genres of films that aren't being made by studios. Studios are concentrating on these either major blockbuster franchise films that can make a billion dollars, hopefully maybe one day, but always never will. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're Disney and they're either at that extreme where they're like, all right, here's an idea for one of those films and we're going to scale it, strip it back, do Mm -hmm. it with half the budget, half the cost and try to make 400 worldwide. And you know that that can work sometimes. We can have those successful uh, stories, or you get like a movie like Get Out or A Quiet Place that costs pennies and makes two hundred million dollars worldwide, and that's how you make those successful films. Um, but Netflix is looking at, from what I can tell, like rom coms and action movies, two genres that, for the most part, unless as you, you know you uh, mentioned Sean Fantasy Point, like unless you're t- Tom Cruise or Ken Reeves, you're not getting action movies made that aren't like you know superhero movies yeah that's just not really happening on the big screen anymore right but netflix is doing that you know point blank is an action movie um in that regard triple frontier yes big giant cast mm-hmm. ben affleck oscar isaac garrett Hed- uh, headland um pedro pascal pedro pascal and charlie hunnam that's right. uh, this loaded cast uh directed by jc chandor and the movie's okay mm-hmm. but like that's a movie that would have come out in theaters five years ago yeah and done okay probably at the box office um but now we don't even know how that movie performs and doesn't even matter it would have been the smash november release like you remember you you remember how full the theaters were for american sniper this movie was like i thought was going to be that it's not i have a review of it up yeah go read it it's not that no it's not i think we reviewed it too i think i believe we did go check the episode yeah um but like it's just it's that weird thing where i'm just like Every time I'm watching a Netflix movie, it seems like recently, I'm just wondering, would this have been made if it wasn't for Netflix? Mm-hmm. And in basically every case, I'm saying no. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for Netflix, a movie like High Flying Bird, a movie that mm-hmm. I was not over the moon on, I liked, but I was not like, I was in the minority of, oh, this is the best thing ever made, which seemed to be the initial reaction to the movie. <laughs> right. Um, 
but I still really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, thank goodness Netflix gave Steven Soderbergh this outlet to mm-hmm. do this movie. Right. Um, that movie's not being made by Fox or Sony or Disney or Warner Brothers or anybody. Mm-hmm. Even A24 probably wouldn't even touch that. Right. Uh, the Perfection, same thing. This bonkers, insane film um, that no studio would have touched otherwise. Uh, Murder Mystery, it's part of that Adam Sandler you know deal, which, again, not a great movie, but like, would an Adam Sandler, Jennifer Aniston murder mystery movie be made by a movie studio in 2019? That has like a crazy. Is that, is that the biggest? Is that the most likely of the bunch? That's the most likely of all of these movies. And that's I think, insane. From here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's probably the worst of the bunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. And so, like, like I don't know if that. I'm not trying to say that speaks to where we're at with the movie industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, a lot of these bigger studios aren't taking a chance on a a red notice. And they're not taking a chance on a David Fincher movie. Yeah. And if that's like, if they can't take the chances on those, then what are they taking chances on? Right. If anything. And like, I mean, like, and not to belabor your point again, but like, if you can't see, if you don't have a five year plan for your, your one movie that you want to bring to the table, then there is, it's almost like it's not being greenlit. Like we, we get gems occasionally. We get, get Blade Runners, mm-hmm. but we get Blade Runners with the expectation that they're going to make 500 million or, or 600 million worldwide, and then they can do three movies after it, right. which was the plan for Blade Runner and Denny Niddle and Noobs. You know, like we, like I said, we stole that movie from Sony and Warner Brothers, like, and I, I love it every day. <laughs> um, there, there, there'll, be, there'll be a couple other ones. Um, Arrival, for instance, like, I don't think we'll ever see a sci-fi movie that complex and emotional with the budget and you know all the craftsmanship, like you know, on the big screen ever again. Mm-hmm. We see those, like something that niche, pop up on the streaming service all the time. Um, I Am Mother is kind of like the most recent sci-fi, twisted sci-fi movie that gets put out there. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's a glut of other ones going all the way back to Cloverfield Paradox um, that you can run to. We'd be like, if this was on a big screen. It would be better, I mean, or you know, I guess that was my attitude a lot, right. a lot of those. But you're still getting a pretty darn good sci-fi movie that, again, would be hailed as like, you know, like with a proper marketing push, would be hailed as the second coming of, uh, you know, Hillary Swank and mm-hmm. the breakout new star for all these people. Right. But instead, I mean, I think I've seen one article written about how. Right. I am yeah. Mother. Instead, they're on Netflix. They're they're talking about for the weekend they're released, maybe even just the first day. Yeah. And then everybody forgets about it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen probably more Netflix movies this year, original Netflix movies, than I have maybe be all past years combined. Yeah. Because I'm not saying these are all great movies. Honestly, probably Always Be On Maybe is the only great one that they've done this year. It's probably the best thing Netflix has done. All all the ones are like good to bad, um, with some being... Actually, I think the two worst movies I've seen this year are Netflix movies. So, like, that's the right. thing. Netflix is not batting 100, and mm-hmm. but I respect them for that. They're not just being like, eh, we can't afford to fail because we, you know, we're, that box office report's going to come in on Monday and be like, ooh, this movie made a half a million dollars worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Major flop. Execs are fired. Netflix doesn't, we don't get box office reports for Netflix. We don't get, and we don't get weekly viewer ratings from Netflix. All we get are the occasional tweets from the Netflix account saying new record, 40 million people watch stranger things season three, or, you know, last December, 20, 30 million people all watched bird box this week. It's the biggest movie, you know, Netflix has ever done. Mm -hmm. And that's all Netflix cares about that. They can every couple of months share out a tweet that says, this is our new biggest movie ever because then it's like, well, look at them. 
nobody cares about what the perfection did or what you know murder mystery did or point blank right you know point blank is probably going to be a movie that not a lot of people watch Mm -hmm. but it's still solid and it's out there and people can very easily see it and it's weird because i feel like point blank is that movie where it's very similar to stuber in a lot of ways is that sort of buddy cop movie there the premises are obviously very different but um i feel like point blank is a movie that could have more discussion about it based on like what it offers sure but stuber's going to get more attention because it's in a theater yep you know it's budget Mm -hmm. you're going to see the financial reports on it and so because of that people are going to judge it of is this movie um yeah successful or a failure None of that matters with Netflix, right. which I think is a beauty and a curse of it where it's like, I wish I could know how many of their movies are quote unquote successful for them. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they just keep spending money and bringing all these other movies on board where it's like, how can I fault them for funding a new rock Godot Reynolds team up movie for funding the next Fincher movie for, for funding sure. the next Scorsese movie for funding the next Michael Bay movie for funding the next Zack Snyder movie for funding the next D Reeves movie for, for funding um, giving Matt Reeves like this giant deal that he's going to you know, produce over. Yeah. Like they're he... just doing all of this stuff that not, that not a lot of other studios are doing. Yeah. There's a risk factor here that they're taking that you, that you, you kind of wish everyone else would do. Yeah. In it's a like, lot of ways. It's like every other studio, and I can understand it because of Disney's success, but they're all trying to do the Disney route where it's, we're going to scale back on the amount of movies we do, but they're all going to be you know, $600 million minimum mm-hmm. at the box office. Right. And at the end of the year, we're going to be insanely successful, and we can just rinse and repeat that pattern. Yeah. But we're not taking risks on uh, uh, you know, all these other small movies because there's like those reports out there that like, you know, Disney's watching the performances of Ad Astra and Ford v. Ferrari because if they're not hits by their margin, then they're going to stop making those movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fox was, funny enough, Fox is like the only studio stupid enough to just keep doing things that they, like, you know, they were so, I mean, they were so poorly managed, I suppose, I guess, like so up, up behind the trend that they just kept doing their thing all the while and that's why we kept getting that's why that's why we're pretty sure we got shape of water mm-hmm. you know because of their search their searchlight um you know uh you know studios and you know, like you said four versus Ferrari, all of the terrible x-men movies we got logan we got deadpool one and two uh or at least the og deadpool which after almost not getting it but then like jumping back to netflix real quick like then again i'm just on netflix now and there's a movie called kidnapping stella didn't know it existed it released the same time as point blank and Okay. Yeah. Here we go. This looks like two people wearing masks kidnapping somebody <laughs> named Stella. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's like there was like a like an, a a quiet place ripoff movie starring Stanley Tucci that arrived really like the silence this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Never saw it. I told you. Don't was, plan. Don't plan to see right. it. Um. But like that's one of those movies that like it drops. People forget about it. And it, that movie in a year from now, maybe even less than that. Probably mm-hmm. less than probably by the end of the year. Right. Is going to be completely forgotten about in turn in the pop culture zeitgeist and film Twitter zeitgeist, whatever you want to judge it by. Right. But a movie like Stuber or long shots or, um, men in black international or, um, uh, even, you know, book smart is going to mm-hmm. be a movie that's gonna be like, disappointed. Right. That was, wasn't successful, but it doesn't, and if, if, if book smart would have dropped on Netflix or Amazon prime or Hulu or some other streaming service and it's, 
the same critical reactions to it, people are like, wow, this service is a genius for giving Olivia Wilde this outlet. Mm-hmm. But instead, all people look at is, what was it, A24 did Booksmart? No, Annapurna. Annapurna? There's like, Which is just a terrible There's like, company. oh, Annapurna, you butchered it. They did. You ruined it. And maybe they did. They did. They probably did. But like at the same time, that like people are more focused on the attention of the failures of Booksmart's um, box office run than they are the actual content of the movie. There's a crazy thing going on here too. And just like along with your point, I think I took us on a tangent here, but building off of that, there's a view of Netflix as this dumping ground. Yes. And I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I thought that was the case. I believed it firmly was the case when I reviewed um, Cloverfield. Yeah, Cloverfield Paradox, uh, which you can go read. I'm just plugging all my stuff. <laughs> and, like, but no, but that was the attitude. It, it was the case because it was a bad movie. And it was that, that was like the actual case. It's like, what was it, Warner Brothers? Mm-hmm. It was like, nope. Or no, um, Paramount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paramount was like, nope, we don't want it. Right. <laughs> Somebody take us off our hands. And Netflix was like, sure. Right. And you know what they did? Sure, it was a dumping ground. But the second the Super Bowl ended, how many accounts? Mine included. Mine included. Me with two friends. Boom. We started watching Cloverfield Paradox the right. second after the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then genius. It was, it, was, it, was, it was clever. And it got, it got eyes on a movie that, you know, Julius Onis, um, like, great director. I mean, like, he's good, talented, and everything like that. Like, you can see that there. And he's got a chance for other people to see his thing and, like, see his work irregardless of whatever the case is, all from the comfort of their own home. And you get acquainted with his style. Perhaps it launched Elizabeth Debicki's career. We don't know. No, probably Probably didn't. not. That was such a weird role. <laughs> um, but uh, the point is, like, it's been seen as a dumping ground, but it's also been seen as, like, the minor leagues. Uh-huh. And, I, and I don't even think that's the case either. It's be, it's it's seen that way right now is because all of the high-stakes stuff is at the theaters. Yes. That's, that's where you can have the numbers, and numbers can be written about, and they can be wrote about, and written and wrote about they can be you know viewed and analyzed and trended all over the place and it just creates this uneven atmosphere in a lot of ways where you whereas you just have this monolith monolith of netflix where everything goes into it but the only thing that gets spit out is the occasional record-breaking number Mm -hmm. and you know that's frustrating but also look at all of these terrible these good to terrible to fine movies that they're throwing up on there that like you said don't get made like very soon we're going to enter like the realm of netflix indie or something like that where just all of these obscure films that are being shot and done by some of the best creators i think like will like emerge and we'll be able to like see that they won't, they won't just look pulpy and very genre mm-hmm. um but like that potential is there for all of that like i don't like big companies the bigger Netflix gets, the more trendy and more um, specific movies they want to churn out. Basically, in the style of what studios used to do, after the content arm race mm-hmm. ends, like it'll all be about content, or it'll all be about quality of content and what you can drag people in with. And so, I think it just makes things even better. Um, as much as you know, you hate to say like, "Oh no, movie studios are dying," but yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the whole dumb ground thing because that was something I wanted to touch on. But I think you covered. It all that needed to be Say said. It better though. No, I, I was I was really just going to bring up Cloverfield Paradox. How, you know, the reverse side of this whole thing that we're talking about, how Netflix is saving the movie industry, is if you know Red Notice comes out 
at the end of 2020 or early 2021 mm-hmm. and it's a disaster it's just like wow this movie should should not have been made universal was right right <laughs> like, they knew it they could smell the stinker and so they pulled the plug on it and netflix was dumb enough to pick it up and run with it um that's the case but then also netflix is also viewed as like this endless bucket of money by everybody where it's like the second mouse guard was canceled and west ball shared all, all that amazing stuff but it's like netflix what are you doing <laughs> jump mm-hmm. on it but it's like how would that have been successful for netflix we have no idea and maybe that's the, again the beauty and the curse of netflix where it's like netflix could have foot the bill for a 200 million dollar you know cgi motion performance capture production for mm-hmm. west ball had it come out and maybe get 15 million you know people to watch it opening weekend and then it trails off and you know maybe it has life of its own maybe it doesn't and that's its legacy but like it was that worth it for netflix we would have no idea and that thing, i think that's the thing that's probably the most frustrating thing about netflix is i just wish i knew more about like what their movies do for them so like when they announce like oh the irishman's gonna launch december whatever here's yes. the release date mm-hmm the dis- around December, the two weeks leading up to it, the two weeks after, is there a massive boost in like subscriptions? Is there nothing? Does it all stay the same? Like, what does that look like for them? That's what I would be interested to find out. But I, I just wonder as we kind of move forward, like with Netflix being like the only streaming service currently, it seems. Well, I mean, like that's not fair. Other streaming services are doing this, just not on as um, high of a volume. Yeah. Um, they're the hungriest. Right. You know, our streaming service is going to be the home of everything that's non-blockbuster, non-IP. Is that where we're heading? Where it's you know, an, an Ad Astra, a Long Shot, um, uh, a Booksmart, a um, Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. Those won't be made anymore for the big screen. They'll be made by Amazon, Apple, Hulu, uh, HBO Max, uh, Disney Plus uh netflix um all uh, you know the endless amounts of you know nbc universals on title streaming service is that Mm -hmm. where we're going to find all of these movies finding a home at where it's not like here they are in theaters and if that's the case is you know is that a good thing or a bad thing it's what it's a good thing i think because they will keep being made Mm mm-hmm and people will keep getting paid to make those movies. Right. And the ideas will still get out there. And it won't be as cheap and life No, cheap and lifeless. It just won't be as uh, formulaic and written in written by committee or anything like that. As much as some of like like Geostorm can film mm-hmm. or feel. Like in so as so much as like that's true or not. But um I had a point and then I lost it. <laughs> but um the thing is, like, yeah, if we want just, if you just want to be surprised again by movies, Netflix is going to be the place where that's going to happen. Streaming services are going to be the place where that's happening. Disney, Disney Plus less so, perhaps, because that's still a really, really corporate product. And there's sort of a, there's a swashbuckling mentality to a lot of Netflix movies, for better or for worse, like a flying by the seat of their pants in production type attitude to a lot of them. Um, and I don't think you'll have that with Disney Plus, um, like because you, you definitely don't see it on Amazon Studios mm-hmm. or anything, or the Amazon's streaming service. They just they make movies the traditional way, and then they'll throw them up on their website once they're they've done their run, which is also a good way to do it too. Yeah, you know, I mean, having a buyer for them immediately after. Um, so I guess it's kind of off of Netflix, but a little bit here. But 
No, I mean, so yeah, that's how Netflix is doing it. There's a point you made in there that I still haven't made, but um, yes, to answer your question, yes, streaming services will be the future of non-blockbusters. Streaming services will be the future of non-blockbusters. I would, I think at this point, maybe it's. I'm trying not to be too recent biased here, but I feel like that is also the future where this industry is going, where it's like a movie like Booksmart. We'll just keep going back to that because that's the the popular one that everyone wants to throw out this year of you know why the box office is failing, why studios are making bad decisions, why whatever. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's like the centerpiece of every conversation. Um, you know, if a movie like Booksmart was like boom Netflix, here it is, and it had the previous critical buzz, then it's like, Booksmart's on Netflix, everybody, go watch it right now. It probably would have had a lot more people see it than the couple thousand people that saw it in theaters. Yeah. You know? Yep. It would have had generated probably millions of views, whether that's um, intentionally or just like, oh, here's a new movie from Netflix. It's a coming-of-age movie that looks like super bad, have that great trailer play when it first signed into Netflix. And it's like, Oh, I'll watch that. Mm -hmm. It's only, it's less than two hours long. Sounds great. Sounds delightful. And it is. And then Booksmart becomes this like classic for a new generation where instead it's, if that is the case, it's going to take probably five years to get to that status where if it was on Netflix, that status could be earned by three days. Yeah. For, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. And like, the, the, that's the thing. Like, I just don't know what to say to. Like, w- maybe think about this. Like, like where we are in five years. Mm-hmm. Like, with um, when you think about like, Mar- like Marvel is basically just completed. Like the this is how to this is how we do it. This is how to do it. Like, and they planted their flag. They've laid down like a concrete foundation that's like impermeable. It seems uh-huh. and Far From Home is about to cross a billion dollars. Yep, first time for a Spider-Man movie. Which is great. Took too long for that to happen. Oh, yeah. But, um, so then, like, what does everyone else do? And by everyone else, I mean the other two studios, Warner Brothers, Universal, uh, Lionsgate, to some effect. Sony. Sony. It looks like Lionsgate is running down the will-do-franchise routes Uh because they've got Hunger Games and all their things kind of cooking. But what does everybody else do? I don't think we know. Um, like a A24 and Blumhouse are sort of like the well we'll do something small we'll do something with people with new filmmakers we'll launch them and then just tell them good luck from there you know (laughs) like like they're they're, they're talent mills I Mm -hmm. suppose with Blumhouse and A24 and so perhaps those will still be on the big screen because those films are cheap and easy to make and Netflix will poach some of them sometimes but I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. It'll also come down to like ego too. Who doesn't want to go to a streaming service? Who wants to try to you like I said play in the big leagues right. where or you put your, give yourself all that exposure. But I think again, I think in the the perception of Netflix as being that dumping ground has gone away. So as the perception of streaming service equals bad in terms of movie quality and yeah. like you shouldn't go there. Like Steven Soderbergh, like. He is like one of the, like the biggest advocates for Netflix because he's like they'll let me do my thing, like they don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Zack Snyder seems to be kind of the same way where he's like I've never had as much freedom uh, as I'm going to have with Netflix on uh, Army of Darkness. Like right, that's going to be a full on Zack Snyder movie, no holds barred. Right, we're entering the destination era. If Zack Snyder was like the kickoff for that, no, 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 I'm sorry, Roma was the kickoff for that. 
the Spartan Scorsese and the Irishman followed suit mm-hmm. right after. And then next thing you know, we've got Six Underground, um, Triple Frontier to a certain extent. Yeah. And now we've got all of these other people coming up. Red Dawn, Netflix is paying out. And it's not, the, the budgets are obscured a lot of the time. Red Dawn, what's that? Sorry, Red Dawn. Red Notice. Oh, Thank sorry. you. Um, I'm just like, I'm so surprised that Red Notice is not about like, <laughs> you know, Nazis right. or like the Soviet Union or anything like that. It's, it's so crazy. But yeah, so like it's, the, the attitude is shifting and we're at that shift point. What comes after it though I have no clue. I don't and either. In Netflix, or if you just turn to look back at the regular industry, or like, like regular film industry. Yeah, because like you pose, like what happened? Like where are we at in five years from now? It's like right now we're at the cusp of launching. It seems like a billion new streaming services. Like everybody's getting on them. Mm-hmm. Five years from now, all of those are not going to be around. Right. Half of them, at least, are going to fail, and then it'll come up to well, what happens to those? Do those studios then? resell you know the rights to their properties to other streaming services or do they all you know, like join forces and make yeah. one big streaming service which would be insane that probably would not happen um <laughs> and or does it end with netflix just sitting back you know maybe having a couple smaller years than they have seen in the past because of the influx of um you know competition but then if these things keep failing do those titles then keep going back to Netflix. Netflix keeps regaining people in the Netflix, you know, five years from now, it's like Netflix and Disney plus and like HBO max and like maybe Hulu and prime. Yeah. And it's like, those are the five services. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is out the window. Right. And I think that's probably where we would end up at where it's like, here are those five things. They each cost, you know, $12 a month and you got to pick and choose. Yeah. Even the land, even the, even, even the landscape is just going to be nuts. And yeah. But I mean, I think I think I could, like one of like my final points here though mm-hmm. is to say that like it's good. It, it, it's really going to come down to just what the future is. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what we already talked about here. But Netflix has saved this iteration of the industry. Mm-hmm. Will it be able to do the next? I don't know because I don't know what that next is even going right. to look like. The industry could the industry that Netflix is sort of absorbing is what it's putting on screen there. All of your favorite actors doing a bunch of different movies that you won't remember them uh-huh. for at all. Frank Gorilla is going to belong to the MCU and he's going to belong to some of the Purge Anarchy movies. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably the, the extent that I'll remember him for. Unless something else comes around that gets thrown up on the big screen because that's what you need to do to get Oscar support right. or whatever the case is, those memorable roles. Same thing for The Rock. Red, Red Notice? No. Fast and Furious, um, Hobbs and Shaw, and Scorpion King. <laughs> yes, that's it. I know you just watched those, I right? Did. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't watch the Scorpion King movies. I or just watched the uh, the Mummy movies. That he, the one that he's in for like five minutes. And then there's the Scorpion King, the Scorpion King Two, and there's one with. And there's like the Return of the Emperor or something. I yeah. Don't it was terrible. Right. It was so bad. Oh, that's the Mummy movies. Yeah. Talk about the Scorpion oh. King spinoff franchise. Oh no, I did not watch that. No, oh, me neither. Those but, are not worth my time. Yeah, avoid those. But that's kind of where the question mark raises. Mm-hmm. But Netflix absolutely is at the forefront. They're, you know, pushing lifeboats into studios and uh, EPs and directors and lighting people are all jumping on board and being wheeled over to the big Netflix studio house, you know, and that's kind of like what's keeping them in this. Because mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine, like, what stories we'd read if Netflix wasn't churning out 
movies like this all the time. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be very strange. Um, and one thing I want to ask, I mean, you may, you may have to take some time to do this. Um, but because you, you have you have a list of all the movies you've watched this year. Yes, I do. How many of them are Netflix movies that came out in 2019? That's a great question. I have watched there. 55 2019 movies this year. 14 of them are Netflix movies, which is essentially 25%, a little less than 25% of them. So that is telling me at least, and again, half of these, no, around half of them are movies that I would not even consider good, but I'm checking them out more frequently because they're just instantly available to me and it takes no time, no extra money, and I can just do it in the comfort of my own home, whereas... You know, if I want to go check out, no, you know, um, like Hellboy, mediocre movie by all accounts. Um, would I like to see it? Maybe, but I'm not going to go drive to a theater, use my A-list check-in to mm-hmm. see it, um, buy concessions. Yeah. I'm not going to do all that. What if? I, but if it was on Netflix and I could watch it for, you know, on a Sunday night one day and just be like, oh, here's Hellboy. It takes hour 40 minutes and I'll check it out. Then I, I probably would have seen it by now, but because of the circumstances surrounding its release, I haven't checked it out yet. So um, do you have a do you have a number? I do have a number. I have a number of seven right now. Seven Netflix releases. And Out of the 40 films that I've seen so far this year. And you're in the middle films. of Point Blank. I'm in the... No, I'm the, not the even The starting point. <laughs> the middle of the opening credits of Point Blank. And that's just me running through here real quick. Yeah. Um, there may be one or two more that maybe I didn't even get tossed on the list. But so that's, again, for you, it's around... 20 percent yes but like outside of like a like disney probably is like the largest other market share for both of us and even actually no like no because disney has released 14 movies this year so i know mm-hmm. netflix by all accounts is probably the studio the outlet that i've seen the most movies from this year which is kind of crazy yeah same here but i don't also see that changing because there's also as mentioned the irishman uh six underground there's um and then all the other you know, random Netflix movies are going to pop up in the next couple months. You that didn't know like, oh, were happening that are now there. And I'll then, check that out. Right. And you know, by the end of the year, I'll be probably well over 20 Netflix originals, which is insane. Yeah. But I think as we kind of wrap this up, is Netflix saving the movie industry? I think it's an unequivocal yes for me. 100% yes over here. So uh, let us know what you guys think about this big question. Is Netflix saving the movie industry? Send us your thoughts on Twitter at Friends of Film. You can tell us yes or no, or hopefully you have a more complicated, thoughtful uh, response to the question. Lay it out to us on Twitter again at Friends of Film, and you can include me in that uh, by tweeting me on Twitter at Movie Cooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at Juice Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everybody. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. Oh,